Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, everybody, welcome to the Barca Blagranas podcast. My name is Josh. I am joined by our pal, Nick. Nick, how are we doing today? Doing good and ready for Barcelona to win their first title of the year. Coming oh, up we, soon. Got, we got lots to talk about. Uh, back from a little podcast sabbatical over the holiday break, and we've returned at a very interesting time. Uh, thank goodness no controversy for a little bit. We actually just get to talk about football, um, although we can talk about the, the 15% salary apparently uh, the report that Barcelona are suing La Liga at the end, if we have spare time. Um, Let's talk about, let's just go in chronological order. Let's talk about the Atletico match. Um, That was one of the strangest matches I've seen in a while. I don't know how Barcelona won 1-0. I don't know how Atletico Madrid scored or didn't score. What did you take away from that match other than Barcelona just got really lucky to not give up a goal? Yeah, that was, it was an interesting match. And to me, it was, it felt it felt really good at the end when the final whistle blew to see like a team stand strong and just be able to be very secure defensively. And which wasn't to say Atletico didn't have chances, but none of their chances really scared me um, to have full confidence in your defensive line and in your goalkeeper, even when um, you don't have a lot of the ball after, especially in the second half, they were playing without the ball, which is so, um, and the Atletico was playing with the ball. It was like a total reversal of what you would expect. Um, but it felt really good. Like that sense of pride that you get when you, suffer as Chavi would say to the end and you get a result. Um, I think sometimes Barcelona forgets that to be a true title winning team, um, you're not always going to have the ability to have a great performance because your opponents might be playing well too, mm-hmm. but you do have to have a way to find ways to get results. Um, and I think that's going to build confidence going forward as well. Honestly, it was a very, uh, Atletico Madrid had a very Barcelona stat line, 20 shots, five shots on target and zero goals. That reminded me of, uh, Barcelona in the last couple of years, a few times. Yeah, but it all changed uh, tactically once Barcelona scored the first goal. Prior to that, it was what you would expect. Barcelona was given the ball for free, and eventually they got the breakthrough, and Atletico is going to sit back like they normally do. Uh, but it was kind of cool to see after the first goal was scored that Atletico got to use their talent in ways they never usually do, and Barcelona had to be able to repel it until the end. So interesting match. I was going to save the uh, the Memphis stuff for later, but let's just talk about it now since we're talking about Atletico Madrid. Uh does he make sense for Atletico Madrid in their current context? Um, does he make sense for Atletico Madrid? Uh, it probably makes more sense for them than he does for Barcelona at the moment, especially with Joao Felix leaving. Um, with the 4-4-2, actually, I think he makes, which is maybe sometimes they play three in the back, but usually with two strikers up front. Atletico, I think, actually, he could fit pretty well into that system. 
all things considered, where he's playing next to like Morata and maybe with Griezmann behind him, um, more centrally as opposed to on the wing. Uh, they play with wing backs at Letico, so he's not going to be a wing back. He's going to be one of those dual strikers up top. And I think he could actually do really well there. I could see why he would uh, be interested in playing for them. Um, I think it's a little bit disappointing that they got knocked out of the Champions League. He probably would want to to play in the Champions League, but he's already said, signaled his interest. So maybe even he sees that being a good fit for him in terms of playing time. Um, so actually, yeah, I think that it could be a pretty good fit, all things considered. Um, there was a report that, and I don't think Barcelona would take this, but there was a report that Atletico Madrid offered Thomas Lamar in exchange. Does he make any sense at Barcelona? He's had a really good last couple of seasons. Like for a while, he first got there and he was a big signing and Simeone wasn't really playing him, but he's been really dynamic. I don't I like know exactly him a lot. I just don't know if he fits with what Xavi's doing right now. Like he's, he's a really good player, but I feel like he's kind of I, being wasted at Atletico and I feel like he'd be wasted at Barcelona too. I don't know exactly where he would play for Barcelona. I imagine actually on the left wing, he's very versatile. He plays lots of different positions. And since the left wing has always been uh, who's actually going to step into that, there'd probably be more depth over there. And then I guess maybe every once in a while he could be used. But I think, uh, you know, the more intriguing idea is to bring back Aubameyang just because it's a like-for-like positional like fit that Barcelona needs some depth at. Okay, you're going to have to... Is he, I don't think he's allowed to come back. I thought there was. An Is that what they're saying now? I, I'm, I'm Googling this live because I literally wrote something for the site. Uh, yeah, so he legally can't sign for Barcelona this month because he has been oh, registered. Um, Hang on. Is that a La Liga rule or is that a. Okay, so Moon, okay, so in Spain, it's confirmed that it's strictly prohibited for a player to be registered three times in a single season. Because he played, because he was technically registered for Barcelona, and then registered for Chelsea, I don't think La Liga would allow him to register a third time, even for Barcelona. Is what I'm, is what I'm finding is the latest reports. Well, that's the first I heard of that, and all these like rules that are just so annoying that they throw at you. Um, It's sad because I think Barcelona could really use him again, and clearly it was a good fit, and he was happy in Barcelona. But that can't happen. but then you go back to the Memphis question, and I don't understand like why they don't use him more and why they're just be willing to let him go to a rival in Atletico Madrid for peanuts, like essentially nothing. I guess the salary is everything these days. It's the one thing we always go back to, getting a salary off the books. Well, like you so look at, this, I mean, Lewandowski has two more matches suspended, right? And, you know, maybe they're thinking, oh, those are the only two matches. We're not going to have Bob up top this whole season, which I think is a little crazy, especially as he gets older. Um, they don't have anybody else to play up top. like. He clearly doesn't want Fati to play up top. Like I, I don't know why you wouldn't just keep Memphis and throw him as like I, I just it doesn't make any sense to me either. I completely agree with you. It's it's kind of confounding. It's a little bit about being so strict with your system and then just seeing him not be a perfect fit in any one of those positions that he's currently yeah. has. But I don't know. He's a he's a great player, Memphis Depay. And if it's one of those things, like I even think of Frank Cassier as well. Like, why doesn't he look as good as he did for AC Milan? And it really comes down to the coach needing to be more flexible and maybe having more than one system that you can use on any given day, um, depending on the players you want to use. Because to have these great players, but especially Memphis, who is a proven goal scorer. And then, by the way, every time he's every once in a while, maybe the last time he played, um, it was a bad game for everyone. Uh, but he does score goals. And uh, 
maybe in January, just because they don't want to get injured. They're just being conservative with him and not playing him. Uh, but I think Travi needs to show him a good coach can have a good player like that and find a way to get something out of him. Travi's confusing me recently. Um, let's talk about the Betis match. So Barcelona advance and penalties to set up the El Clasico finale that we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, just some, I mean, some pretty obvious takeaways from yesterday. Uh, there were some pretty ridiculous Dembele take-ons that were just so much fun to watch where he's just completely torching Betis. Uh, Fati, of course, with the incredible goal, you know, you and I have talked about the confusing why he's not getting enough playing time. Tristegan, of course, hair transplant. Tristegan makes a couple of great saves, looking amazing yes, while doing it. He's looking amazing. Um, just, I mean, the, the the absolute confidence he has from that hair is just, it, it's a little, it's a little daunting at yeah. this point. Um, and I also learned something over the break. Apparently, I've been saying Araujo's name wrong this whole time. Huh? I think it's uh, Araujo. I think it's, I think I think it's even Araujo? different than that. I, yes, I think that's what it is. Araujo. Araujo. Well, I honestly, as someone who speaks Spanish, as I thought I spoke Spanish, I've never heard that name pronounced Araujo. Although I, I will say that um, there's some people on ESPN who pronounce it that way, but yeah. I always thought they were mispronouncing it. I, I think they're it, saying I it right. Araujo. Um, uh, he um, was ridiculous. He was so good, uh, and of course, you know, scares me He's walking amazing. off. But. Um, what were your takeaways yeah, from this match? Other than I feel I, I Chavi's substitutions confuse me. And when I look at some of the peaks of this match, Barcelona's talent was just so overwhelming and they still had to go to penalties. So, like what what, what were kind of your thoughts coming out of this match? Yeah, you have to play a full 90-minute game. And just because you go into it tactically and you're doing well and you get uh, you know, the goal that you need, or even you know, the equal as you score another goal. You have to see things out until the way end. And, you know, Brazil learned that the hard way in the World Cup, how you get the goal and then you just think you can see things out with a one goal lead and then anything can happen in this game. And uh, I think that's so literally think, what Pedri said is Pedri said we get up by a goal and think we have it done. Like he was, that was some of his post-match quotes. He said, we have to fix that. And it's like, yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah. And not this Barcelona team. The one from 10 years ago really could dominate possession to the point where the other team, if you have a one goal lead, you could just you know, pass them to sleep with a thousand passes and the goal, the game will be over, but that's not the case anymore. Um, I love it. The fact that there's so many, like Betis is a good team. There's a lot of good teams and even the lower level teams in La Liga could do this to you as well. Um, so you have to take things into your own hands. And of course that substitution totally changed the dynamic of the game. And it wasn't just like Dembele was having the best game of everyone on the team, an extreme threat, but Frankie Young was having a good game too. And that's the one where, if there's something that I just don't understand about Xavi, it's why Frankie is always the first midfielder taken off. Even when he's having a better game than, let's say, Gavi in this one, he takes off Frankie instead of Gavi. And frankly, he didn't have to take out either one of them because the midfield was doing fine up until that point. They, all three of them probably should have stayed in. And you play with fire when you uh, make two critical substitutions from your two best players on the field, and you don't expect uh, the dynamic of the game to change after that. Yeah, I mean, Chavi was asked about that, and he said, like, I think he his quote was Dembele and Frankie both picked up Knox, is what he said, or mm. felt something. Uh, and their status for the match Sunday was a little bit uncertain. Uh, oh, that says more. But yet, that also goes to show that, you know, we have a lot of depth. Everyone isn't injured, but uh, actually, like, we don't love all the options we have off the bench. They don't necessarily well, enhance the team. Especially Chavi doesn't seem to love him. I mean, Dembele, Rafinha... 
uh, could all be out, and he still probably wouldn't put Fatih in the starting lineup. He'd find someone else to put up there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, if everyone is healthy and nobody is suspended, you, you have a hard time. Obviously, he's going to choose Dembele. He's going to choose Lewandowski. And maybe on the left wing, it's a little bit more up in the air still. Um, but it probably should be Fatih at this point. Um, of course, it should be mentioned, this game probably wouldn't have even gone to extra time if it wasn't for VAR. Barcelona with a couple of offside goals ruled out, especially the one, was it Pedri, the one where it was like his toe? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, it was yeah, Rafinha's toe. But it was Rafinha's toe. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just obviously, like, it's technically the correct call, but such a buzzkill. I mean, it really was just such a buzzkill, especially seeing how close it was. I, I feel like maybe they should come mm-hmm. up with a rule, and I don't know how they would do this. Um, It's like, uh offside has to be at least like six inches or something like that like if when it's so mm-hmm. minuscule and i you probably couldn't even measure that but it seems just like like maybe a whole appendage is where we have to rule this but like a toe is yeah. just so ridiculous um but you know barcelona still come through and winning penalties uh great job to all involved um and we get a classico mm-hmm. this weekend in the middle east which is fun uh because we haven't had enough football in the middle east as of late um what are your kind of thoughts and expectations heading into this Clasico for Barcelona? I think they should win it. They're the one who they're fully fit. They have everyone available. Madrid's form has not been good recently and they have injuries, significant injuries. And I think Barcelona's form is pretty good. Um, even though like they're kind of not as convincing in terms of just putting the games away. I think they have been playing well, but in the beginning of the semifinal against Real Betis, they were playing fast. It was looking really good up until that substitution. Um, and I think they are honestly the better team to Real Madrid. What we saw in the first Clasico was just Barcelona being demoralized because of what was happening in the Champions League. Uh, but I think they are a better team than Real Madrid. There's a reason why they're in first place and not Real Madrid. And they have more to prove, you know, who needs this title more? Xavi really needs it. So he needs to, you know, step up, make the right calls. I think it's pretty clear who a starting lineup should be. And then do no harm when it comes to in-game management. Um, and it would be actually think disappointing if they didn't win it. I think Real Madrid is kind of like, uh, it would be nice, but it's a, against Barcelona, you know, it's going to be a good rivalry game. Both teams are going to really want it. Yeah, I mean, uh, Madrid, of course, have some injuries. Chiumeni's out, David Alaba's out, Lucas Vasquez is out. Uh, if Dembele and Frankie are both there, then Barcelona are clearly the healthier team in better form, like you said. Even though Barcelona's results haven't been all that convincing, I think kind of the peak of some of those matches against Atletico and then against Betis, they should definitely win. But, you know... Again, like it's Madrid in a, a potentially, uh, you know, in a, a championship match, you know, regardless of what the teams think of the Super, the Supercopa, it's still like, it's still silverware and Real Madrid and any sort of silverware winning competition are a threat. So I don't know. I'm scared. But at the end of the day, Barcelona are up in the league. Um, let's talk about uh, dream January transfer signings. Uh, what do Barcelona need the most in the eyes of Nick? Uh, the dream would be a right fullback. I think that is ultimately like the one area that, you know, even though against Atletico, you start to see that maybe Jules Koundé should just accept that he's as much a right fullback as he is a center back because for France, it's the same way. And it really is a very strong lineup in the way that, you know, it, football is changing to not use these fullbacks that bomb forward anymore. Maybe that's more of what you need, but clearly they need a new fullback. And they need some depth there in a starter so that Jules Koundé doesn't always have to play. Um, so we don't also have to see Sergio Roberto anymore. It really doesn't add anything. He's one of those guys, you can put him in there and he's professional. 
Um, but who would that fullback be at this point? It would probably come at a really high cost. Um, and I don't, I don't know. I, there's not even any rumors. So I think everybody wants Molina from Atletico Madrid these days, but he's not being sold to anyone. No. Um, so I don't know. I think he might be the dream right now. Or maybe Joao Cancelo, because apparently he's all, all of a sudden available. Really? Um, yeah, because they say that because all of a sudden Pep Guardiola isn't playing him. But this is what Pep Guardiola does. Just because he's all of a sudden not the number one, he'll be the number one again in a few weeks. But apparently the rumors are that at a price he could be on the market and he's a fantastic fullback. It would be great for the Barcelona system. So there you go. Cancelo, that's my my dream signing for Barcelona in January. Oh my gosh, that would be great. That's not going to happen. Um, yeah. What are your Definitely thoughts? Do, do you have any thoughts on the uh, the fifteen percent? And again, this is getting into business. And if you don't care, you don't care. That's fine. If, so Barcelona, of course, did not have their salary cap increased by fifteen percent. Uh, they're reportedly suing La Liga. This is a, this is after the CVC investment deal, which of the forty two first and second division clubs in La Liga, uh, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Athletic Club. And uh, Ibiza were the only clubs not to uh, vote for this. And Barcelona didn't get the increase. And they're now reportedly suing. Uh, do you have any thoughts, Mr. Business Guy? Man, so many lawsuits going around. I know. <laughs> the Barcelona world. I just think it's, it's God, something just needs to give at some point. Um, I mean, this one is, it's just like every week it's something new. Some tension between Barcelona and La Liga. Every single time there's a transfer window. I mean, there's this crisis, like, can we register our players? Can we sign new players? Well, we got to get rid of Memphis because of the salary issue. And I'm just tired of the lawsuits and the tension. I do think La Liga needs to re revisit its rules because I don't think it's going to be competitive with the Premier League if it doesn't allow, um, you know, do whatever is necessary for to bring the best talent in. And a lot of that's going to require more flexibility when it comes to salaries. But at the same time, it's just a bad look when Barcelona is always getting sued and being and then suing others um, and always talking about legal things at some point, like going forward, they're just going to have to find a way to operate within the rules that are there. And I mean, this whole thing with Mateos Fernandez as well this week. And uh, yeah, when you, when you blow up somebody's contract, they're going to sue you and they're going to be upset. You can't just blow up contracts like it's it's ethically not right either. Um, so I don't know. I guess I'm not surprised by any of it, but I think Barcelona needs to get its stuff together and, and be more professional. It's just really bad from a PR point of view. Yeah. I mean, we thought that the way they treated Dembele would affect them PR wise. And then Robert Lewandowski threw away his entire German reputation to come there. So I don't know. Yeah. At this point, no one's ever happy. Matter. Yeah, Robert Lewandowski is mad at Bayern Munich, and he comes to Barcelona, doesn't really pay attention to the. Well, it's different when you're Lewandowski too, and you're older. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a crazy world, but um, I, I just I'm getting a little sick and tired of this uh, every this talk of salaries. Hopefully, we can fix that for the long term and just be more financially sound, and then not get into the situation again in the future. Yeah, I'm not counting on it. Um. How are you feeling about just like overall, you know, I we're only a few months away from the league being decided. Uh, how do you feel about Barcelona in the league right now as a whole? Yeah, it's great to be in first place. And 
it, it does make me feel better just not being totally blown away by what I'm seeing from Real Madrid either. It's a two-team race. There's no one even close to them. It's going to be one or it's going to be the other. Um, the Classico is going to be really good in March. It's going to be probably, you know, to de determine a lot. Both teams, like all things considered, it was disappointing to drop points against Espanyol. But when you look at the overall standings compared to other years, especially compared to last year, Barcelona is winning games. The games are they need to win, even the close ones. Not to say the same thing for their tournament performances. So I feel good about Barcelona, and I think it's going to be a great Clásico. And I think I'm going to be in Barcelona for that one. Actually, I think I'm going to go and be visiting. I'm going to try to go to the game. So clicking. Okay. Yeah, my first ever Clásico. So I'm really looking forward to that one. I'm planning to go to Barcelona for spring break, and happens to be the exact time when uh, they're playing the Clásico in Barcelona. Yeah, you might need to sell the uh, you know sell some some blood or something for that because that's the yeah you can't miss that. That's like a once in a lifetime thing. That's incredible. Yeah, this will be my my first time. So. Um, it's, and it's going to be, and it's a huge year. Like I said, it's neck and neck and hopefully it'll still be neck and neck. Um, come that time and Barcelona can pull away and neck in. We're going to have to see if we can get you a sit down interview with Xavi while you're there. Uh, going to need to get yeah. some correspondence. Give me some press pass. Yeah. I'd love to. Um, Xavi speaks great English, by the way. I'm very impressed by how, like, I'm not always impressed by his decisions in game management, but his interviews are very good. It's very interesting listening to him talk in English. He's a man of culture. Uh, before we head guy. out, yeah. um, I, 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 I was, I'm just curious because I, I don't know. I'm just curious. This has nothing to do with Barcelona. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, of course, signed uh, in Saudi Arabia, essentially kind of signing away his career for money, which is his decision. Um, there are reports that they're gonna. There's another club in Saudi Arabia that's gonna offer Messi a bunch more money. I'm assuming he's not gonna take it, but who knows? Ronaldo's a different character. How does this like? I don't know. I, I guess I'm just wondering if you feel the same way as I do that I'm kind of sad that Ronaldo just like didn't sign for Sporting or something like that on a cheap deal. Mm -hmm. And of course, this like th this is kind of right in line with his his attitude and the way he's acted over the last couple of years to do something like this. Um, but I'm so curious as to your thoughts as to like how this kind of like his career at this point is just kind of wrapped up like he's done and that just yeah. kind of stinks. I'm not going to get to watch him anymore. I'm going to see highlights of him on Bleacher Report and ESPN's Instagram gassing him up for stupid goals. He's going to score in a league that doesn't matter. Just being honest. Um, what are your thoughts? I think it's just a vanity move when you're feeling so like not loved with what happened at Manchester United, you go and you get all this money and it's not about the money. I think it's just to show, look, someone will look how eye popping these, like the numbers are and someone still appreciates me somewhere in the world. And I think it's kind of a sad end to his, his career because at the end of the day, I think he really was a player that thrived on ego. It's what made him so good. But I also think it was sort of what's giving him kind of the sad end to his career. Um, in comparison to Messi, I think it's amazing that he's having such a great year all of a sudden. It's like a renaissance for him at PSG and then winning with the World Cup. And at the end of the day, I think as long what Messi wants more than anything else is to win games and to be playing in important matches. So that's why we're seeing what he wants right now is to renew with PSG, even if it's just for one more year next year, um, to have another great season and then maybe to get to the Copa America and maybe win another title with Argentina the following summer. He just wants to be winning games and to be um, in a position where he can do that and PSG is offering it to him. And that's great to see that he's making the most out of these years. He's also a little bit younger. Yeah. Um, but I don't see him going to Saudi Arabia. Um, I, I just don't think it's about money for Messi. And also I think about Messi, like in his like personal life, he seems like the kind of person that, you know, is really focused about what's best for his family. So being in Miami, it's not because he wants to play in America. It's because his family loves vacationing in Miami. 
and he wants him to be comfortable there. Um, and uh, I think it's different for Cristiano Ronaldo. And also there's something about like, fine, you never know like what's really going on with like towards the end of a career, how much money they have in the bank or not. I got a feeling Messi is totally fine. And uh, I could see him, I think in the end, he'll be in Miami, but I think it's just gonna be pushed back a year now since he's doing well and will renew for another year. If um, I, I, I keep meaning to wrap this up, but I keep thinking of things I want to ask you about. And this is the last thing I promise. Uh, you you are the biggest U.S. men's national team fan that I know, and there was recently some unfortunate controversy. Uh, but it's still like it's it's hilarious, but it's not hilarious because of course Greg Burkhalter and his wife have to have this you know unfortunate history kind of dragged out into the public eye that neither of them wanted dragged out into the public eye. Uh, how insane is it that it was actually? the Reynas that were the ones blackmailing like when this first came out, it was like, you know, like jokingly on Reddit, it was like, I bet this is, uh, um, why am I blanking on their names right now? Is it the Reynas? Yeah. yeah Claudia Reynas. Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I, for some reason that just sounded wrong. Gia Reyna, Claudia Reyna. Yeah. No, um, good. Sometimes I'm like that too. What? It seemed like impossible that it was them. And then of course it was them. Like what, what are your, like, how are you compartmentalizing all of this? It's just total karma. That's what happens when you hire a coach to nepotism who's totally unqualified and does dumb things like doesn't play your best player at the World Cup. And you have a cesspool of nepotism going around at the United States Federation where everyone's friends, everyone, it's all really chummy and everything's just coming, you know, chickens are coming home to roost at the end of the day. Um, like, yeah, Reyna is not totally clean in this. He's another part of this, like, there's too much closeness. Look at like you have Brian McBride, you got... Oh, what's his name? Ernie Stewart. All these guys who are just way too close to each other. And uh, that's not how you run an operation like that. Um, I'm always anti Greg Berhalter at this point. So I'm even, whatever gets him out, even if it's this ridiculous situation with like uh, his best friend betraying him, if it's for the best interest of the United States, uh, you know, the immense national team, great. But the, at the end of the day, like the rot starts at the top. Like it's it's totally corrupt from the top, this, this federation. And who who knows who they're going to hire next? Um, how you can be knocked out of the World Cup in 2016 and then respond by hiring Brett Berhalter to begin with. It's just the whole thing is too much to be true. And I'll tell you another thing. As someone who is a soccer coach, I get a little bit like tired of people talking about like helicopter parents and how it's just like it's a cultural problem in the United States. Maybe that's true to some extent. But as a coach, I've never had an issue with parents ever. If you're a good coach and you earn the trust of your players and your parents, and your community as a whole, people are happy and they can accept your decisions. So once again, this is what happens when people don't respect the coach, period. Like, it's it's just, you have to hire the right people in positions of leadership. And the drama is really juicy and it's kind of fun to watch, but they need to be really freaking serious now about who they hire next. And honestly, I don't know who Sydney Parler Cohen, like, Maybe she needs to like get rid of like Ernie Stewart and all these all, the, all these other guys too and start taking everything seriously because there's too much talent in the United States to not be a better team than we are and to not be more functional. Yeah, and you have a year to figure so, this out before the Copa America that the United States will be playing in that we're hosting apparently uh, that I'm very yeah. excited about. Uh, it's a great four years coming up. Yeah, oh Copa my America gosh, it's thrilling. Cup. And like yeah. to have this ridiculous blackmail drama crap come out uh yeah. and i'm with you on the soccer parents coach thing but it's insane that it was one of his family members that also works at austin uh fc and yeah 
that that I it just needs to be just like Greg. I don't think Greg was ever going to return. Like, and, and the fact that this had to just be piled on to like be the quote unquote like nail in his coffin from the Rainer's perspective is insane to me. And now, like, I think Gio, actually he was going to return. Actually, you do? Disagree. You think, think they were going to oh, bring him back? I think one hundred percent. These people are dumb enough and lazy enough. And honestly, it's not that they lack ambition. I, I, I think it's, you know, I'll, I'll throw forward a conspiracy theory. I really think they want the men's national team to be mediocre because, you know, if the alternative would be hire like an amazing coach who has got international experience and that person's not going to walk in lockstep with the federation. If you have a mediocre coach who's just a yes man and a company man, you know, and as long as you do your, you qualify for the World Cup and maybe you get out of the group stage, that's all these people want because they just want to be relevant. And the second you start raising the standards, all these people are out of jobs. Well, and we saw so the same federation mindset in France this week, right? With, um, with I don't even remember his name, the federation president calling out Zidane for literally no reason after Didier resigned for a couple of years. And by the way, the United States apparently reached out to Zidane. I don't know if you saw those rumors, but uh, he declines due to, yeah. you know, the language barriers that would be in place. Uh, I, I, I'm sure that's the reason he did, like, you know, that was his reasoning, right? Just to be respectful. Uh not the fact that it would be ridiculous for Zinedine Zidane to come coach the U.S. men's national team. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't think that. I think those were interesting rumors. And it's always interesting to me that ESPN.com is the one that reports these things, too. I mean, I, I think we're talking for too long, but I think there's another. Those reporters at ESPN are a little too close to the Federation as well. Yeah. With the no. way things are reported out. Uh, the way Fox, ESPN, and the U.S. Uh, Federation are all a little bit too intertwined is concerning. Yeah. Um, Let's get out of here before we get in trouble. Nick, as always, okay. it has been a pleasure. We'll keep up with, and again, no one cares about the U.S. Men's National Team on a Barcelona podcast, but we'll always save the last five minutes just to talk about it in case we need to. Yeah, at um, the way in, in case you made it this long. Yeah, in, in case you made yeah. it this long. So Nick, as always, it has been a pleasure, and we'll talk to you next time. All right, sounds good. Thank you.